Where Conservatives Go Wrong. I'm going to share this one with you because I just got done reading the article about uh, the mass shootings that continue to happen in Chicago. No one cares because it doesn't affect the elitist uh, and they can't politicize it. And because it's that, man, I'll let that video speak for itself. Boggles the mind. I've always been a big fan of Rod Dreher or Dreher. I'm not even sure how you pronounce the last name. Rod Dreher. Um, he, he comes from my background. I get the impression he comes from, he's from Louisiana. I'm from Maine, but I have a feeling he's a poor white boy, uh, who, uh, went on to, uh, to college. I don't think he went in the military, but, uh, and, and he just kind of became more of a, uh, a cultural, not cultural conservatives. I don't mean like culture, like, Oh, hoity toity like that. Let me drink my uh, thumb up or whatever his pinky up. Uh, just, you know, he sees what's going on in the world, and he has a different perspective than the Beltway types. I, I don't know how else to put that. Just uh, Americana, you know, he sees it for what it is, middle, lower, middle class kind of viewpoint. Um, but this bothered me a little bit. The American Conservative is a great, great resource if you're interested in conservative thought. Uh, not, you know, the bombastic stuff, but real conservative thought. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this. It definitely uh, for the on the Christian side of things for sure. You can see here when religious bigotry uh, is repackaged as Christian privilege. Privilege. It's it's a uh, it's a lot of stuff, but a lot of good stuff from a perspective of a, a thoughtful conservatism, not like the National Review or anything like that. Those days are gone. What the Wall Street Journal editorial page used to be, and I just I I don't read it anymore simply because their take on Trump was just mind-bogglingly stupid. Um, so I don't read it anymore, and that's uh, too bad because the Wall Street Journal editorial page one, uh, man, I forgot the guy who used to run it. I'm drawing a blank. Man, sometimes I'm doing these videos, I draw these blanks on important names. Is uh, Paul G. Go was good. Uh, then he came anti, seemed like anti-Trump. If he's, I don't know, whoever it was in 2016 the editorial page, I just I couldn't take it. The guy before him, I forgot. But anyway. But here's where Rob gets wrong. Rob gets wrong in a lot of conservatives. So I'm going to share this with you because I think this is a problem that conservatives fall into. And I'm going to share with you what it is. So basically, uh, the second thoughts on pot. Rod says, you don't expect a New Yorker and Mother Jones to be places where you read anti-marijuana articles. But tell your children the new book by a former New York Times report, uh, reporter, Alex Berenson, is knocking some people flat. The book examines examines what we know scientifically about marijuana use, and it turns out to be pretty damn scary. I've never been a pot smoker, says Rod. Though back in my youth, I ate space cake in Amsterdam. Man, I always had ambivalent views about marijuana legalization. I can't stand the way the stuff smells and found the people I hung out with in college who were big fans of it to be incapable of talking about much else. But I accepted the line that the pot was largely harmless. I don't like the fact it's being legalized everywhere, but couldn't come up with a compelling reason to oppose it. I chalked that to social custom because I frankly didn't care. So let me just share with you my thoughts. My uh, my mom, um, you know, they rose, they uh, they met my mom and dad in San Francisco in, in 1967. If a memory serves, uh, my dad was a carpenter. Well, my mom was, I don't know what my mom was doing, Frank. I just don't know. But uh, he was, I think they met on a bus or something like that in San Francisco. But anyway, they're hippies, as you can ascertain, as San Francisco in 1967. Um, and, uh, but my mom used to share me stories about acid, what she used to, acid trips she used to do. And it scared the hell out of me, man. And she scared, she shared a story with me one time uh, when I was pretty young about taking acid. And uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was like she couldn't, it was a bad trip and she couldn't stop. And I remember she felt, it wasn't suicidal, but she, I just can't, I don't remember what the, but I remember 
it was almost like spiders were eating her body from the inside out or something. I can't remember. It was something sickening like that. And she, even though she knew it wasn't happening, but it felt so real and she couldn't make it stop. And that always scared me, the feeling of just being out of control like that. Um, and I remember watching, uh, there used to be a show about a white basketball coach uh, in like LA, White Lightning, I think it was called. White Shadow. Oh, man, that's what it was growing up. That was when we first got a TV. I used to love the White Shadow because I love basketball. And it was about this white coach, like an inner city place, and it still had some white basketball players, but mostly black basketball players. I'll never forget, there was someone who had taken a angel dust or something like that and said, and I remember walked off the, the school building saying, I can fly, and of course couldn't fly and, and died. And, you know, as a little kid, those two things hit me like like freaking ton of bricks, man. I, I said, I never want to be messing with that stuff. Well, lo and behold, as I got older, I experimented for sure. Never did cocaine, thank the good Lord. Never did heroin, thankfully. Uh, but I've always had a relatively addictive personality. That's why I, uh, I can't drink alcohol. And it's, I think that's genes, frankly. Um, but anyway, so, but I did experiment with dope marijuana a bunch of times. A bunch of times. Never liked it much, um, but I remember, but I never didn't like just maybe paranoid. No other way around that. And I'll never forget smoking this guy after a baseball game, being this guy, good guy, good pitcher too. Probably could have gone, uh, I think he might have been drafted. Anyway, he threw a hard pitch. I, I, I can't remember his name or anything. I forgot. But anyway, uh, we're smoking some dope after a game. And I'll never forget walking home with him, and I felt like I had this smile on my face I could not get rid of. So I was like, smile. I don't know if I was or not. I was just, I felt like I was smiling. I couldn't stop smiling. I felt like everyone who's driving was looking at me saying, he's on, he's high, you can tell by his smile. And I was like, I couldn't stop smiling. So I went over to this guy, I think his name is Phil, now I think about it. I said, hey, man. He goes, oh, you're not smiling. I said, it feels like I am. He goes, you're not. But I felt like he was lying to me. So it's like the paranoia, just, oh, I'll never forget. I said, man, long story short, so we get home that to my house that day, and some other people came over and were drinking, smoking, and whatnot. You know, I probably, I don't know if I was a senior or junior, I can't remember in high school, uh, but we're you know just hanging out because my dad was always out of town, um, and so uh, I'll never forget there. I was, I was smoking uh, something else too, and I just—I uh, mean, I smoked some more, whatever it was. We didn't know. I remember slammed back in my couch, and I just felt like a pinball machine. These spirals of of like red spirals are going up and down my body, going like that. So they go up and they hit my my hand, and I'd go like that. I felt like I was going like that. They come back around. I felt like it was going like that. I, it maybe it was like it made me so dizzy, and I felt like I had to puke. But I'd go and try to puke. I couldn't do it, and I come back. I just sit there, and I sat there for I, I don't even know how long. But I couldn't I couldn't talk. I just felt it was weird. And then I remember my dad coming home, and I guess all the people had left by then, and I was still like real. I think I, by then it was it wasn't it was it had left me the spirals, but I was like still just out of whack. It was weird. I know he knew I was smoking. And you know, look, man, my dad was involved in all that stuff too as a kid, so. He knew, but I'll never forget that. It's just, it scared that. And I, after that, I said, I can't do that anymore. I stopped because it was nuts. And then uh, it's funny, too, because in basic training, um, believe it or not, there is dope in there. And, uh, and, and, and I'll never forget that, too. Let's just put it this way. Uh, people could be smoking. and ba We're literally in basic training on a, uh, yeah, it's just I don't want to go into it much more than that. But uh, they were able to get dope. In our platoon, in our uh, bivouac, they call it the bivouac. We in the regular unit, we call it field problem. But we're out in the you know the field for three days or something like that, and people were smoking dope. So the whole point is, if you could get dope in in basic training, you can pretty much get dope anywhere if that makes sense. So 
Anyway, that's my background with it. Never did any more than that. Uh, never did much in hard liquor, thankfully. Beer just was enough. I just like beer. I enjoy it. I liked it, and uh, and I liked it too much. And I knew if I drank hard liquor, it would it would remove some of the uh, the length I needed to get drunk, which make me uh, more likely to act in stupid ways, if you know what I'm saying. So I said, I'm just going to stick to beer. Never gotten hard liquor, never gotten cocaine, never gotten heroin. Thank God. Anyway, so this guy says, uh, Berenson's book is a game changer. In the New Yorker piece, uh, in his New Yorker piece, Malcolm Gladwell writes straightforwardly about the overwhelming scientific evidence that marijuana is a hell of a lot more problematic than many of us think. Excerpt. Berenson begins his book with an account of a conversation he had with his wife, a, a psychiatrist who specializes in treating mentally ill criminals. They were discussing one of the many grim cases that cross her desk. The usual horror story, someone who cut up his grandmother or set fire to his apartment. And then his wife said something like, of course he was high, been smoking pot his whole life. Of course, I said. Yeah, they all smoke, said the wife. Well, other things too, right? Sometimes, but they all smoke. Berenson used to be an investigative reporter for the New York Times where he covered, among other things, healthcare and the pharmaceutical industry. Then he left the paper to write a popular series of thrillers. At the time of his conversation with his wife, he had the typically layman's view of cannabis, which is that it's largely benign. His wife's remark alarmed him, and he set out to educate himself. Berenson is constrained by the same problem the National Academy of Medicine faced, that when it comes to marijuana, we really don't know very much. Uh, but he has a reporter's tenacity, a novelist's imagination, and an, an outsider's knack for asking intemperate questions. The result is disturbing. I'll say, this is back to Rod, Read his piece to find out why, or even better, check out Stephanie Mensimer's detailed report in Mother Jones and the San Francisco-based left-wing magazine. I'm sure it's going to wind up subscribers. Excerpts, and this is going back to the Mother Jones article. Mother Jones is a very left-wing rag, by the way. Berenson, who smoked a bit in college, didn't have strong feelings about marijuana one way or the other, but he was skeptical that it could bring about violent crime. Like most Americans, he thought stoners ate pizza and played video games. Yet his Harvard-trained wife insisted that all the horrible cases she was seeing involved people who were heavy into weed. She directed him to the science on the subject. All right, so I'm not going to go into the studies. I got lots of studies in this about you know all the negatives on weed, but I want to go back to uh, to Rod's uh, case because this is where conservatives get it wrong. Um, so one more passage. Uh, so here's what he wrote. Uh, Menson Mensen who wrote the thing in the Mother Jones, admits she was red-pilled by Berenson's findings. Before This is going back to the Mother Jones article, by the way. Before talking to Berenson, I didn't realize it was possible to smoke your way to the ER. I smoked plenty of weed in high school, and so did all my friends. And none of us jumped off a balcony or killed anyone. We could barely get off the couch. But the marijuana sold today is not what we smoked, which at 1% to 2% THC was the equivalent of smoking oregano. Today's weed is insanely more potent, as are products like wax and shatter, forms of butane hash oil designed to be vaped or dabbed that come pretty close to 100% THC. And these high-potency products usually contain very little CBD oil, the ingredient in cannabis that's supposed to account for many of its health benefits. These potent products can cause hallucinations, restlessness, and as anyone who smoked even weak pot is familiar with, paranoia. Yep, I completely agree. After reading Berenson's book, I fact-checked it a bit and inadvertently discovered all sorts of websites avoid advising pot users on how to manage their paranoia and ride out the psychotic effects. I also found plenty of news stories about bad trips on pot. Well, I just shared one with you. 
Such incidents are typically typically treated jokingly, but a lot of times it turns out not to be a joke, says Berenson. A lot of times a 22-year-old guy who maybe has some history of aggression and winds up throwing himself off the balcony or beating up his girlfriend. Paranoia and psychosis make dangerous make people dangerous, so rising use of drug of a drug that causes both would be expected that causes both would be expected to increase increase violent crime rather than reduce it. Berenson looked at the data of the four states that legalized weed in 2014 and 15 and calculated a combined 35% increase in murders in those states. Okay, but hang in there uh, compared with the 20% rise nationally. This isn't a statistical anomaly. It's real. However, she didn't say however. I'm saying the role of weed in rising violent crime rates in the legalization states is a hotly contested question, especially in Colorado where murders in Denver are at a 10-year high. Berenson admits he can't say for sure whether those upswings are due to legal weed, but the raw data, he says, definitely contradicts the advocate's claim. What I want people to stop saying is that legalization reduces violent crime. It doesn't. See, uh, all right, so Rod says, read the whole thing. It's important that you do. So in his review essay, and this is back to Rod, Malcolm Gladwell compares the laissez-faire attitude we have developed towards pot with the way we regard nicotine. Gladwell talks about how the FDA just announced a crackdown on flavored vape juice in an effort to discourage vaping among teenagers who are becoming nicotine addicts because of it. All right, so a lot of people made fun of Tucker Carlson. This is back to Rod. Uh, Tucker Carlson for a seemingly out of left field swipe at how marijuana use affects young people in his famous monologue last week. It's back in January, by the way. I too thought it was a bit weird. But Berenson, but based on Berenson's findings, Carlson was closer to the truth than many of us think. And a reader writes in, I'm a reader of your blog and an ER doctor in a small town, but work primarily in a major city. I read your part post on marijuana and psychosis slash violence just before starting my night shift tonight. And my first patient in this small town is a psychotic young woman who recently assaulted her fiance with a broken shard of mirror. Uh, the patient tested negative for every drug but cannabis. I can attest that this is quite common. All right. So what I want to share with you is, all right. So just going back, we, the, the, the increase, they make an, an unequivocal statement that the laissez-faire attitude that uh, legalization reduces violent crime, it does not, they're saying. What, what, just put your thinking cap on. Put your thinking cap on. What is the argument against that? It's so flipping easy to see. It's so easy to see that this is what just ticks me off about Malcolm Gladwell, Rod Dreher, and all these guys. This is not legal in all these other cities, and violent crime is also on the rise big time. Why? Because we haven't legalized drugs. We've only legalized a small segment of it. The drugs as a whole have not been legalized. To, to put A and equal B is insanely stupid. It's stupid. You can't say, well, Denver legalized pot. We have a huge increase in crimes. Thus, legalizing does not lead to, uh, does not reduce violent crime. We don't know. We don't know. Because, in fact, I'd argue it, it will because we can look at prohibition as evidence of the counter. Oh, this is like this is what I get crazy about the vaccine advocates. If I say, huh, I question whether or not vaccines are safe because we have no studies on the 18 or 19 uh, recommended CDC vaccines, taking in conjunction that short period of time is safe for your children. We don't know. We just don't know. And people say, oh, so you want people to be have polio or have uh, MMR, measles, mumps, and rumella. I said, no, I just don't know if it's safe. 
but vaccines eradicated polio as long as we keep vaccines eradicate polio i said i look i don't disagree with that. that's like i'm not disagreeing with your assertion that legalizing dope does not increase violent crime i'm disagreeing with your assertion that legalizing dope makes legalization not reduce violent crime we don't know it's the same argument you can't take this one thing we legalized marijuana and violent crime went up that thus shows that legalization doesn't lead to reduction of violent crime you can't do that similar to vaccines you can't say we've eradicated polio by people who have taken the whatever the polio vaccine is thus vaccines in the whole are mandated for you to, to be free of any kind of problem we can't make that it's, it's, you're taking one example and putting it on the whole and people do this all the time you can't do that you can't say legalized marijuana led to violent crime going up thus legalizing uh, uh drugs does not decrease violent crime you cannot make that you can make the assumption but it's stupid you can also not make the assumption we've got rid of polio via vaccines thus vaccines are going to get rid of everything you cannot make that assumption and when it comes to vaccines we don't know it doesn't mean you shouldn't get polio vaccines i'm not saying vaccines cause autism i'm saying we don't know and when it comes to legalizing marijuana, the issue is that then how do you argue about all the violent crime in Chicago and Detroit and Washington, D.C. when they don't have legalized marijuana? I, I, the facts are prohibition is in, in everything. Where Heroin makes zombies out of people. It's not just marijuana smoking. I'm not going to argue the... the philosophical that you have a right to your body anyways and if you hurt people that sucks but you have a right to your body put whatever you want into it i'm not going to make that argument here even though i think it's legitimate and thomas Sazaz makes that argument much much better than i do you have a right to put in what your body if you hurt people then you obviously uh you lose that right for sure i'm not gonna make the argument but if we're gonna go down the road on the drugs saying well you have a right to put in your body but if you hurt other people we gotta ban the drugs well i said well alcohol you have a right to your body but if you hurt other people we gotta ban the alcohol and yet no one's talking about that and yet we know for a fact Many, many, many more people die or get maimed by alcohol than they would buy drugs. We know that because alcohol is is not prohibited. Prohibited. So should we legal? Should we make alcohol illegal again? No one's arguing that. So what we know, what we can know, anyone who argues in favor of drug prohibition, ending drug war prohibition, knows for a fact there will be some more people who do don't. That's a fact. We well, I don't want to say it's a fact. Most likely that will happen for sure. We'd want to get more and more stories about like what I was telling about my mom, the psychosis, the paranoia and stuff like that. I like that. As opposed to have a Snoop Dogg, you know, saying, oh, it's so great. That's freaking stupid, man. It's not. That's that's just dumb. And unfortunately, suburban rich white kids say, oh, I want to be just like Snoop Dogg. It's stupid. We want to have real people say what's going on with the psychosis effect of dope, how it can make you beat up your fiance and all that. Absolutely. Without question. We want that to happen. We know if it's legal, some people will say, I've always wanted to try, but because it was illegal, I did not. We know that to be true. I do, you cannot make an argument against that. If you do, you're, you're, you, you're not advocating for legalization well. You're just not. You've got to make the real argument that says, most likely some more people will smoke that, without question. And that sucks. But the big picture is most likely... We don't know, but we have a history of it with prohibition in the 1920s and 30s. Most likely, less innocent people die by crossfire, drive-by shootings, and less of these innocent people are happen to be a certain subsect of, of society that no one cares about, which is poor blacks in the inner cities. No one cares about them, uh, and, and you're used heavily for political re realm. I get that uh, from everybody. But as long as we can avoid it, uh, then we don't care. But I care, and you care, 
that five-year-old kid who gets maimed, that lady who freaking 50-year-old girl who sang at Obama's inauguration, who got, oh, just, I don't want, I just, I care. And you should too. And the reason this is happening is because prohibition. Prohibition allows the violent to rise to the top, which means they just kill without comp, without thinking about it because they don't expect to live long. But yet, Rod, and this is what the conservatives, if we just make it illegal, the problem goes away. It just goes away. And the funny thing is that doc that Rob cites in that small town, I guarantee marijuana is not legal there. So how do you make the case that prohibition, if we get it, if we eliminate prohibition, that doesn't reduce violent crime? It is illegal right now in that small town. In that small town, that lady who smoked it had psychosis and attacked her fiance with a shard of glass. It's illegal in that small town, and yet this happened. Ah, the, the, the silliness of these arguments. Malcolm Gladwell's got to know better. But I don't know if he does, actually. What was I reading on? The thing with CTE, concussions. I was listening to his video on that, or a couple, and that, that really, where I really was turned off by his podcast. It was so emotionally driven, and he claims like he's scientifically approached, and he's just not as emotional. I said, man, I was embarrassed for him. But of course, very few people, the uh, very few people are trained in critical thinking. And that, that's why if you got a kid, have them study economics, please. Austrian economics, he will be trained in critical thinking or she. And when they are trained in critical thinking, they will be able to think for themselves outside of what they're told by the professor. All right. See you next time. Smash. And uh, that's all I got to say.